The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. John 3.16 is at the same time one of the most well-known verses of the Bible and one of the most misunderstood. As I've often said, context means everything in rightly dividing the Word of God. Unfortunately, most people take John 3.16 completely out of context and try to turn it into an eternal salvation verse, when in reality it's an eternal security verse. By its very language, John 3.16 emphasizes the importance of context because it begins with a connecting word for. That word points us back to the previous verses, and in this sermon we begin to look at the context of John 3.16. In particular, the immediate context involves a reference back to Numbers chapter 21 and the brazen serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness as a remedy for the bite of the fiery serpents. Join us for the first half of this sermon today as we begin to look at the context of John 3.16 and the way in which Christ being lifted up on the cross is just like that brazen serpent being lifted up in the wilderness. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
want you to turn to a very familiar passage of Scripture that you could probably quote because you see it on bumper stickers. You see it held up at ball games. You hear it all across the United States and different venues. You'll see it. John 3.16. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There are much better preachers than me among our people that have preached on this in probably a much better way than I'm going to try to preach tonight. But you pray for me because I want us to look at this passage of Scripture and try to get a grasp on it as primitive Baptists, as those who believe in the truth of grace, whether you're primitive Baptist or not, as those who understand that the Lord Jesus Christ died to pay the sin debt for his people and he paid it and saved them from their sins. Sometimes we abdicate verses to the world. I'm afraid sometimes in my own experience I've abdicated John 3.16 to the world and said, well, that's just not a good verse for me to go to in my preaching. I want to go to Ephesians 1 and verse 4. Well, I want to say to you tonight, uh, here to you at Zion Primitive Baptist Church in particular, but to all of us, that this is not a religious world verse. It's not an Arminian verse. This is a primitive Baptist verse. And I shouldn't even say it that way because we don't really have primitive Baptist verses in the Scripture. We just have verses that are the true Word of God, okay? <laughs> uh, I say it simply because we are a primitive Baptist church, but I'm telling you here tonight that this verse is a beautiful, precious verse that we ought to never abdicate to the world. And I want to talk to you a little bit about it. I don't know exactly which direction we're going to go tonight. Maybe the, I, I trust the Lord will lead in the right direction if I can just figure it out and follow Him. But, uh, but I want to say to you that I love this verse. And one thing we need to understand about this verse of Scripture before we go any farther is this verse of Scripture is not an eternal salvation verse. It is an eternal security verse. It's a verse not about how to get eternally saved, but it's a verse to those who are eternally saved to give them security and, and, and an assurance that uh, they wouldn't otherwise have. You see, this is not a verse about a condition to meet. It's about a position we are in. The believer is in the position of possessing, having eternal life. He's not going to get it. He's not believing in order to get it. If you tonight, as you sit there in the pews, are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then this verse is one you ought to embrace and weep over because it says to you that you possess eternal life. Whosoever believeth in him. And that whosoever, I understand the world emphasizes different verses in here. Whosoever is often emphasized, but praise God, I'm going to emphasize it too, Brother Craig. You know what that means? That means it doesn't matter your socioeconomic background. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter uh, where you grew up or what you've done in the past or how bad your background is. Praise God, even one who held the coats of those that stoned Stephen is included in that whosoever. 
<laughs> but you notice it's not just whosoever, it's whosoever believeth. See, we're not talking about some kind of offer to the whole world, but we're talking about a world there that the Lord Jesus Christ came to die for. Now, the first thing that I want to talk about here in regard to this verse is the thing that we harp on over and over and over from this pulpit and others among our people, and that is context. 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 Context is everything. And, in, and you've heard me say this many times, but I'm quoting many other preachers. I know Sonny Piles has said it, but others have said it too, that a text out of context is usually just a pretext. It's just a pretext to try to prove something that's not true in the Scripture. So let's don't take it out of context because there are many words that are emphasized by other preachers in this verse, but the one word that I don't ever hear emphasized by any out there in the Armenian world is the for. For. Now, think about this. <laughs> he could have started the sentence by saying, God so loved the world. Jesus could have started that verse by just saying, God so loved the world. And this in so loved means he loved it so much or in this way. God so loved the world. But he didn't. He said, for. God so loved the world. Now what does that word for make you think of? It makes you think that there's something that went before, right? You know, you, you've heard me say about the word therefore, and it's very similar to this word for. When you see a therefore in the scripture, you need to ask what it's there for. <laughs> you just need to remember that. Ask the, so for is referring us back to some other scriptures in the context here. So I want to go back then. If, if, I don't want to just take verse 16 out and just say, okay, I'm going to hang my hat on whatever I believe about verse 16. I want to get verse 16 in context of, of what has gone before. So if you back up to, to verse 1 of chapter 3, you see that there was a man named Nicodemus who was a ruler of the Jews who came to Jesus by night and he began to talk to Jesus and he, he obviously had, had some information about what Jesus had been doing and he had some interest in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, personally, I believe he was already born again. I don't, know, uh, I don't know why he would go to Jesus if he wasn't interested, like the rich young ruler who was over there troubled by his life. He wasn't going to Jesus to get born again. He was going to Jesus because he was already born again and he was troubled in his spirit, convicted of his sin, not satisfied with what all he'd been doing in his life. Even though he was keeping the commandments, he wasn't satisfied with that. He knew there was something missing. He didn't understand it and he went to Jesus, you see. Jesus, by the way, looking on him, loved him. Turn to Mark chapter 10 sometime and read it. <laughs> You know what that tells me? It tells me that man's in heaven. <laughs> that man's in heaven today because the Lord Jesus Christ loved him. And when he loves one, he loves him with an everlasting love. And he was not satisfied with what was going on. I believe Nicodemus here was the same, in the same boat. Not satisfied with what he'd been brought up, what he'd been taught as he was brought up and what he was, uh, that Jew's religion that he was steeped in, he wasn't satisfied. And Jesus just jumped right in and cut to the heart of the matter. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <laughs> I don't know if that startled Nicodemus or what. I, I don't know. You know, when we see each other, Brother Craig came tonight, Brother Buddy, I, I hadn't seen him. He was preaching somewhere else this morning. And uh, when we came up, I said, well, hey, Brother Craig. He said, hey, Brother Chris. Hey, Brother Buddy. Hey, Brother, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. You know, it doesn't appear to be any kind of back and forth here between the Lord and Nicodemus. 
Nicodemus comes up. I'm sure they're greedy. You know, they like greetings in the marketplace. He's saying, he says, uh, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God because we see all the miracles you're doing and all that. And, I, you know, you would, you know, I'm sure he might have been expecting, oh, Nicodemus, I know you. You're a rabbi, too. It's nice to see you, Rabbi Nicodemus. And, but there wasn't any niceties here. There wasn't any preliminaries here. And, you know, the Lord did that a lot, didn't he? <laughs> The Lord doesn't beat around the bush. He's never beat around the bush with me, I'll tell you that. You know, I, I like to beat around the bush sometimes, especially when I have bad news to tell somebody, but, uh, but, uh, but the Lord just cuts right to the chase. He says, Nicodemus, verily, verily, that means truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You're coming to me with all these questions, and I want to tell you, you need to understand where it all began. You need to understand where it started. It didn't start with miracles, and it didn't start with teaching, and it didn't start with all these things that you're seeing. It started with a new birth. And, and of course, Nicodemus, being like all of us, he said, wait, wait a minute, what do I have to do? Isn't that the first thing we think about sometimes when we, we see ourselves in a predicament? So, well, what can I do to get out of it? Well, I want to tell you, beloved, what you can do to get out of, uh, of the sin curse that you're under is a big fat zero. <laughs> you can't do anything. And Nicodemus here said, well, can, do I have to go back into my mother's womb when I'm old? What, what I, how can I do this? And, and Jesus said, to him again, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. And I believe he's speaking of both, in both instances of the Spirit of God. Using water, something Nicodemus would have understood, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, the new birth is prerequisite to any understanding whatsoever that you have about me and my kingdom. And he goes on to tell you all about it. All you really need to know about it. Actually, verse 6 and 7 are about all you ever need to know about the new birth to understand and believe it the way we believe it here. Number 1, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Okay? That which is born of the spirit is spirit. I don't see any spiritual evolution at all here. In fact, if you tried, you know, if I got up here, if I, if I went down to the pulpits of most Baptist churches uh, in, in, in the world today, most of them out there that are, um, that are Arminian in persuasion, they would agree with us that there is no such thing as physical or natural evolution. And I, I, I should take that back because nowadays I'm afraid even among some of the standard denominations out there, some of the evolutionism has, as opposed to creationism has slipped in. So you can't count on that like you used to. But there was a time when even in Armenian churches, uh, evolution was, was uh, or creation was taught as opposed to evolution when it, from a natural standpoint, okay? They would reject natural evolution. Most Armenians would reject natural ev evolution. And yet, at the same time, anyone who, who subscribes to an Armenian uh, theology is accepting spiritual evolution. The idea that something that is flesh and can somehow evolve into that which is spirit. When the Lord Jesus Christ said, it's almost like he, he was pointing to one side and then the other. He said, over here is flesh, over here is spirit. There's a gulf between them. And the only way to get from one to the other is to be born into it. You're born into the flesh and you've got to be born into the spirit. And by the way, what did you do to get born? 
I don't want to re-preach that sermon. I preached on it not too long ago, I believe. But what did you do to get born? Not a thing. Not a thing. You wake up in your mother's womb one morning and say, you know, I think it's time to get born. I think I'll choose to get born. I think I'll accept birth today. <laughs> no. You were born apart from your will. And you see, you've got the flesh on the one hand and the spirit on the other. And he says, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. I said verses 6 and 7. It's actually verses 6, 7, and 8 that contain all we need to know about the new birth. Verse 8 tells us how it happens. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, for years I read that, Brother Craig, and I, I missed focusing on that last little phrase. I looked at the first part, and I, amen. It's like the wind. I don't control the wind. The preacher doesn't control the wind. You'll never control the wind. You can see the effects of it. You can see and hear it as, you can hear it, as it passes, but you can't even really see the wind. Somebody says, I've seen the wind. No, you've seen the dust that the wind kicks up. Even in a tornado and a big cloud, that's not the wind that you're seeing there. The wind is invisible. But it's blowing where it wishes. It's blowing where it wants to. It's going from a place that you don't know where it came from, and it's going to a place next that you don't know where it's going to be. I know preachers will tell you that if you'll follow steps A, B, and C, you can harness the Spirit. And you can make the Spirit. You can obligate the Spirit to born you again. If you'll just pray the sinner's prayer, if you'll just get baptized, if you'll just do these various things that the Lord, uh, that the word, that the uh, preachers out there in the world tell you to do, then you can harness the Spirit. When you show me how you can harness the wind, I might buy into that. <laughs> but right, right now, I'm not having it. Because <laughs> you, you can't harness the wind and you cannot harness the Spirit. But notice this. So is everyone that is born in the Spirit. In other words, every new birth occurs in exactly the same way. Different times. There was a thief on a cross one time who was about to die who was born again. There was a man on the road to Damascus one time who was yet breathing out slaughter and threatenings against the children of God who was born again. And there was even a baby in a womb, John the Baptist, who leaped for joy in his mother's womb when he came in the presence of, into the presence of the mother of, uh, of, of our Lord who was carrying him in her womb. If I can show you one instance, by the way, <laughs> where a man was born again apart from hearing and believing the gospel, then I believe based on this verse I can prove to you that the believing and he hearing and believing the gospel is not a prerequisite to being born again. I just told you about John the Baptist. There was nobody, there, was nobody there with a megaphone shouting at at his mother's uh, belly saying, you need to accept Jesus. Jesus is, you know, the Lord, and you need to follow these steps. Nobody was doing that. Nobody, by the way, preached to the thief on the cross. We don't even read where the Lord said anything to him until he said something to the Lord. You see, the new birth occurs in exactly the same way. And notice, we're leading up to John 3.16. I, you know, I understand that in, out in the religious world out there, the denominational world, that's all about you doing something to get saved and you choosing Christ or accepting Jesus. I understand that 
about the only verse in this chapter that they know about is John 3.16. I don't, I don't say that to be mean or ugly. I'm just saying to you, it's almost as if they've taken the Bible and they've cut out every verse of chapter 3 except 16. Beloved, there's a lot of rich truths, and we've just seen some of them right here. The first thing John 3, chapter 3 does is lays the groundwork for the new birth being solely and holy of God. And then he comes on down. Nicodemus says, how can these things be? And Jesus questions him. He said, you're a master of Israel and you don't know these things? It's almost like the Lord was just like, wow, I can't believe this. <laughs> I mean, that's my way of putting it, of course. The Lord knew all about it, but... But he said, are you a master of Israel? You don't know these things. He said, he said I'm telling you what, I've, what I know and what I've seen. He said, in verse 12, if I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how should you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And then he says in verse 13, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And by the way, what he's doing here is he's laying the groundwork to teach him that salvation is solely and holy. Uh, by the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? And now we get to something really, really sweet. Really, really important too. Notice in verses 14 and 15, if you wanted to forget about the rest of the context that I've already, the groundwork I've already laid, you say, well, I don't think the context, the, it's more the immediate context of verse 16 that matters and not the rest of it. Well, let's just go to the immediate context. Let's just back up two verses here to verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Notice two little words in that verse. As and so. As and so. I heard a message Sometime back by older Sonny Piles on that very phrase, as and so. It's very important. You know, uh, I believe Brother Sonny's the one that put it this way. He said, it's not the big words of the Bible you've got to watch out for. It's the little words that will trip you up. <laughs> you know, you can talk about high theological concepts. You can go to a seminary and you can get all kinds of education and all that kind of thing. But the real important stuff is sometimes the two-letter words that are in the Scripture. As and so. Now, you know, what does that tell us? That tells us that in the same way Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, that's the same thing that's going to happen to the Lord Jesus Christ. In, 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 if you can go back, in other words, if you can go back and look at Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness, then you can understand what the Lord Jesus Christ is going to do in his work here on this earth. So why don't we just do that for a few minutes? Why don't we just do that? Back in Numbers chapter 21, that's where you find this account of the serpents, the fiery serpents, and what had happened. I don't want to go all the way back and read it, but uh, read it all, but the children of Israel were on their wilderness journey. They were, they were headed out from Egypt, and they, were, they had gotten to a point where even as much as the Lord had blessed them on this journey. I mean, they had been blessed in so many ways. Even their clothes and their shoes didn't wear out. <laughs> and as much as God had blessed them, they still went back and they began to murmur. And they began to, they began to complain. In verse 5, they said, They spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us out, up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? 
For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. This light bread he's talking about is angels' food, manna. Manna that God had rained down upon them just purely by His mercy to preserve them alive. And they were complaining about it. You know, I, I just want to say, stop and say this. Let's don't complain about the blessings of God. They were complaining because they'd gotten to where they, eat it, they ate it every day and they got used to it and they got tired of it. Beloved, let's not ever get to the point where we get tired of the manna of God. Because if we do, that tells me our focus has gotten off and back onto the world. You see somebody eating a steak over here and you're eating manna over here, then praise God for the manna and forget about those steaks of the world. They won't sustain you like the manna will. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.